The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ESPN 23 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's worth the fight as I'm recording this during weigh-ins. Uh, Cup Swanson just made weight. Most people have hit the scales. Gabriel Benitez has missed. We'll get to that. Uh, of course, check the timestamps as per usual. As I'm one of the only podcasts that consistently do that, so you can skip past. I don't want to say the BS because actually a lot of it's been important. And it's been sad that my fellow media members clearly skipped past those parts or not took it in or not cared. But if you do, I still give you that option nonetheless. Happy you're here. You can always go to the breakdown where I break everything down from top to bottom, skip the recaps, skip the notes. Or if you really want to even skip further, I don't blame you. Uh, you can go all the way to the end where I always recap my picks and plays. Um, although I may still slip in some uh, some stop Asian hates for the people that only skip to the end there. Because that was another thing that's funny is um, for all these uh, offended bros that I, I would point out, you know, facts. Or did, God forbid defend someone unfairly targeted. Um, the amount of burner counts that have been following me, uh, or, you know, have been really funny. You guys make it so obvious, you know, <laughs> like, especially when people were from regions, you know, um, like, you know, uh, anyways, it's, it's fucking hilarious. So uh, those of you shitheads, um, that may or may not have gotten public speech that sell picks and yet still have your clearly burner accounts that, Clearly, are for MMA space, MMA betters, and you're still replying in your region and dialect and slang. Um, yeah, I think everybody knows who I'm. At least you know a couple who I'm talking about. So, yeah, yes, suspect. You already added yourself as a shit human and uh, a shit better, uh, a shit analyst, whatever. Because you know you're following people like me. First of all, anyways. But uh, those of you who are following me, this is for you, man. You guys get the profits, and that's why people will go as far as set up burner accounts and still listen. And I just love the fact that they're burning those calories. Uh, whether it was the calories they already burnt out themselves as insensitive racist twats or uh, burning the calories to listen, uh, helping my numbers, and just I know I'm digging away their ego that they have to listen to my voice right now. So I love it. I'm loving it, um, and, I did, and I'm back because I didn't want to... Um, Speaking of the racist, I didn't want to let the racist win last week. So uh, even though I do need a break, um, it's okay. I'm just speaking about my demons. It's nothing personal, folks. Um, so even though I still need a break, uh, I looked at, like, despite the lower standards that we're all used to, apparently now, um, I looked at, like, a card like this week compared to the one, like, next week, and I'm like, Jesus, next week is depressing. So next week, maybe I'll hit you with some impromptu thoughts on the card. 
some surface level thoughts, whatever I had to submit for junkie staff picks, which continue to make me pull my hair out because you know how I love doing those early in the week on these pandemic fight weeks where it's constantly shuffling but now with Bellator uh, doing shows almost every week it feels like to make up for time and PFL in full swing um, my pick percentage has been taking a fucking beating and my processes has been crazy because if you don't finish (laughs) your things by Tuesday night then I'm having to abandon my writing and get right to uh, analysis into the wee hours of the night to make the pick deadlines for multiple cards so no one cares about that but yeah it's fairly clear no one cares about that process but it is the process i do so i'll give you guys my picks next week and maybe i'll do a replay of a top five show because i've done so many it's about time to replay and even though there's some guests that i'm still meaning to book and don't worry folks i haven't forgot about you if you're listening or still listening but um yeah i'm not too much tempted to work more right now much less um work with with others in the space uh, at this time because uh that's where most of my disappointment is, but not with you guys. You guys have been awesome, um, very awesome. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just like last week. It's people in the space that kind of show their asses, especially um, after, as we'll get to results here shortly in a second with UFC 261, which, again, uh, it was crazy, man. There was, there, they were, uh, you know, you know, all the, uh, all the, People telling me the race is not real, bros. Uh, is uh, yeah, you know, apparently it was just coincidence. All those boos, and people were allowed to boo, uh, which you know, which is the funny argument. It's like yes, of course people are allowed to boo, um, and of course you know people are like taking it like, oh, you're against booing. Like oh, if I'm against booing, don't you think I would have spoken up like a fucking couple hundred events sooner? Uh, you would have heard some complaints from me. No, I just don't like racism. And uh, even Rosa's manager herself to white local Americans who served in the military because that means so much to y'all. Um, I saw all those groups publicly posting racist shit being said. But yeah, yeah, no racism. And, you know, you got fucking prominent people in the media who make their beat on being intelligent and woke and fucking aware. We're like, what, are they booing Willie? Like, yeah, no shit. But then again, some of those people may also have co-hosts who propagate that fucking bullshit. So, guess you know who I'm talking about there. As I further dig my grave, folks, uh, as far as to not getting work, alienating myself in the space, do not be surprised to see less of my tweets on the board, so on and so forth. Um, media members, the, the few that actually aren't afraid and insecure enough to mention my name, I guarantee you those people, even friends of the show, will be saying my name a whole lot less in their podcasts. You watch that, and as well as other things that I said that age well, because again, it's all for me saying anti UFC things, anti that. No, it's speaking out about someone being unfairly targeted. Um, because even as anti UFC as you know the cool kids are, and most places are, um, as much crap as we can give them for them, especially now, further leaning into their right leaning politics. I believe even they had like some Black Lives Matter or George Floyd thing. And I say that because we're about to go into April and uh, you guys can join me in collectively holding our breath, my breath for the umpteenth year of uh, no recognition of AAIP month besides doing it for Latins, Hispanics, Blacks, etc. Still nothing for the Asians. Um, but it's okay. We can bring them in because like I said, what are they good for? They're good for cheap labor. Um... And uh, that's why the other Asians were brought in on the undercard. Um, as that, you know, holds up true. 
because I guarantee you, for all you, again, for you China bros, racism isn't real or China's bad, you know. You should be doing that to the UFC. You shouldn't be mad at some stupid small podcaster like me. I'm not the one taking money from China that probably that one pillar of advertisement in that octagon for 261 alone. I guarantee you outpaid and overlapped whatever labor they had to pay for the Chinese fighters, which was cut down because they didn't even fly their coaches over. Um for visa issues, which is great because, you know, from Maribak Tysimov from back in the day to Chechen fighters now, when they don't get visa issues, they get, like, you know, match made around and, and worked around. Um, whereas Chinese fighters, it's like, fuck it, you're coming, you're coming to fight. We need some bodies. So even, you know, under these crappy governments or similarity of lifestyles and choices and uh, no choices of all being where you're born, you even see the difference between Chinese and others, right? How they're treated from their own people to the promotion. And it's not as good. I don't know. It's, it, it, uh, we're, not, uh, we're not as revered either, so we get all the negatives. We don't get any of the positive stereotypes. As we saw so blatantly on display with Shevchenko um, and how she's, how she's revered, even though, you know, she comes from a communist country and it was dancing with her red flag way more proudly than Wei Lee was. But, you know, she's blonde and white. You know. Uh, shout out to the Great White Hope and uh, Sam Yang's recent episode of Southpaw Podcast. But yeah, it's, it, you know, seeing these hypocrisies. Um, but, you know, uh, hey, you know, Dan was just being sensitive. There was no racism, even though it was, you know, cited by actual people there, respectable people, people from, you know... <laughs> Oh, but there was no racism. Nope, nope. And and I don't blame people for thinking that because you look at the way my fucking colleagues covered this bullshit in and out. It was disgusting. Did a lot of cleanup. Let's just say that. And as I, as I further alienate myself from my own colleagues, but it's it was uh, it was gross. Um, shoot, dude, like <laughs> I know, like by the time you get to edit breakdowns, like I'll do the same thing. I'll just like read a result off. Like I don't expect anybody to give anything special treatment. But <laughs> dudes are out here ain't not even like reading like Chinese fighters' results, just skipping that part. Like every fucking inch possible. But despite how bad they did, even if their coaches were, we saw their levels were not, and the fight IQ was not there, right? Especially for the lower Chinese fighters. And even though. It's pretty hypocritical that you could probably even include the champion's purse and that one advertisement more than paid for everything, right? Um, they are doing Contender Series in Asia edition. Now, is it to give Asians love? No, because they never talk about their faces, style, skills, or personas. These things aren't talked about. Again, it's always about their numbers, right? Look at look at the build-up way, Lee. Like, let's just talk about her numbers here. It's like, why can't we talk about her, her struggles, her style, her background? You know? Um, it was crap. Uh, I think they just, like, the promo piece was her eating rice in a kitchen with her family. Like, that was the whole promo piece, like, of the one we got compared to, like, the multiple of Rose. Um... You know? And just like my analogy of Night of the Living Dead, you know? She makes it through all that bullshit just to get picked off, right, uh, at the end by some passing racist, you know, better red than dead. Um, uh, referencing the movie. Don't don't let my, my demons or personal talk offend you guys because this isn't personal. That, that works, right? That's how it works, right? Um, but, yeah, because um, we can just say shit and do damage, but then we can just say it's not personal. It's great. Um, anyways, um, but, yeah, like, so they announced that, and then despite Whaley getting fucking knocked out. By the way, 
it was a beautiful kick, not an early stoppage at all. I don't even see why it's an argument. Um, but of course, of course, Whaley has to have one of those moments that DC had, right? Like it was almost exactly like DC. Um, but I didn't hear DC stepping into defender as much as other fighters for crying, right? Um, because when DC did what Whaley did, except DC also cried. Um, I don't think Whaley cried, but it didn't matter. Uh, people, of course, because of the narrative, because they're lacked of even trying to understand Asian fighters, even despite people like my attempts to help educate people, um, we're going to focus on the late stoppage. And then it becomes, that becomes the narrative. And just like shouts to Fernanda Prates, who, Prates, who said the, uh, the, the pet peeve episode on best camp of my life, one of the best MMA podcasts you can listen to guaranteed, um, like like I wrote in with that as far as uh, I, I should have cited this example because it reminded me of Jermaine Durandamy where it's like it, it, it was the ref's fault that should have been in there Todd Anderson in New York of all people you know uh, New York officials New York Commission who would have thought we should have blamed them really but no because of commentary and larger people with platforms which is why important they get it fucking right um, Joe Rogan was just focusing on and was so upset at Jermaine Durandamy and like, you know, and just had that narrative. And he still talks about it to this day. Anytime that fight comes up, he talks about it like it was for Holly. And you see that generated to where prominent media members were doing the same thing. And then it trickles down and it was bullshit. And, um, and, uh, that was just apropos to an episode Fernanda did recently. And, um, same thing with Wei Lee, like, you know, and thankfully there are people talking about like, Oh, we're, we're interviewing concussed fighters now. And it was just crap. And then, you know, you get to hear her get booed again and watch her get dragged through the mud and everybody with their everybody rewarded with their lazy rose narratives. And it was just, uh, it's really gross. And we had to see that fallout, her celebrated, and she gets to tell us what martial arts are. As I'm seeing ESPN quote her going, it's not about this, it's not about that, it's about the art. And I'm like, well, where do those art come from, Rose? Huh? Can we fucking start respecting Asian people? Um, and, oh, she apologized at the end of her post. I don't give a fuck, uh, cause damage is already done. If you couldn't get my sarcasm, um, but yeah. Uh, and then now despite Whaley getting just fucking owned, right? Uh, they're talking about getting her back in there with a up away class with the girl that owns Rose and owns all the other girls, Valentina Shevchenko. Like that should show you right there, folks, that they just want to keep the machine going. Same with bringing in the Chinese for the contender series, bring in the Chinese. They're not going to fight back. They're cheap labor, little pushback. Who gives a fuck? No one else gives a fuck. They're not gonna. We're not gonna get the media pushback like we do with other fighters because they're Asian. And my media brothers and sisters have already helped uh, collaborate that. So those of you, no matter what color you are, um, though you know, shouts to the people sticking up for what's right. Um, because again, it's it's. I'm not trying to alienate any listeners or my colleagues much less anybody of any race right uh, again most of the people in my dms white dudes so it's not like an anti-white dude thing even though those happen to be the reply guys which is the i just bring that up because it's ironic right the reply guys for issues of women and race are always white dudes but that's not like an anti-white dude most guys in my replies are white dudes and that being said i do want to shout out my black brothers and sisters from listeners of this show like ramundo who even on mma junkie you know we give him crap because Every time Ramundo comes, it's always, always about the brothers. And Ramundo would be like, you know, he'd call it, he'd be like, uh, hey, hey, you know, he'd always be picking or his, all his parlays were always like the black fighters. And so we would joke like, hey, can we guess your parlay this weekend? 
And man, but shout out to my man Ramundo, because you know what? He does the thing that'll that'll give me respect to anybody in life. Not that I already didn't love Ramundo, but like respect for life kind of shit is that he kept that same energy uh, for other people, you know, um, because he saw the hypocrisy, you know. Uh, oh, we're booing communism. Really, what about Valentina dancing with her red flag? Or, you know, Jorge Masvidal wearing a shirt of a Cuban national, granted, you know, a Cuban national convicted of cold blood and murder in the U.S. Granted, he technically, Alexis Villa technically defected to the U.S. Uh, and I know that George is a friend. Shout out to French Philippe. I appreciate his energy there. I'm not trying to challenge that. Although, I do wish that for the people, as well-meaning as they are, that try to bring out the positive thing about Shaq or the positive things about George or whatever these fighters are that get you know, the controversial stuff brought up. I wish we could have that much energy for fighters like Whaley because nobody kept that fucking same energy for Whaley. Very few people did. So that's why I want to shout the people that did, especially the people of color, because that was, was annoying, you know? Like last week having pe people with BLM in their bio telling me Asian racism isn't real. Um, you know, and lecturing me about China while they're NBA fans. And, uh, and yeah, so whether it's listeners like Ramundo who was keeping that same energy, they could see the hypocrisy. Um, or people in the media, because there actually wasn't enough of those. Uh, Andreas Andreas Hall or Hale, uh, sorry if I mispronounced that wrong. Uh, he definitely is, is a great person to shout as far as like the you know as far as the, the media blue check mark side of things, you know, or not even the blue check mark, just the media side of things. How, how we should be keeping that energy because I don't want to speak, but uh, to, but let's just say I didn't see that same energy kept uh, all around. Uh, you know, I saw some calling out when, when the black fighters were getting booed um, disproportionately, but no tweets for the Asian fighters. Or maybe they would just write it off for Florida. Um, or when they would call out things for Asians, they would do it in a sidestepping way where I feel like me and the many, including them, when, it, when it's done to their people, would be like, just say racist. But they're committing that same crime that I know would be a pet peeve to them. However, because... Bias is real, and I'm one of the only few places to admit that. We got to admit, Thug Rose has got a lot of fans. I just hope those fans, especially those fans of color, especially my black brothers and sisters, remember who who was posting Blue Lives Matter memes when George Floyd's was was barely dead, murdered. Who who posts Blue Lives Matter shit? Who's looking out for you, but while still using Thug and appropriating that shit? and lecturing us about arts and martial arts when she's not acting like a martial artist. Remember who's doing that. Then remember people like myself who are of a different color who kept that same energy. Because I kept that same energy last year and peeked behind the curtain and just did an interview with HBO Sports about BJJ and policing and maybe putting myself, you know, and I honestly don't even want to be on camera. I just did it to, to help. But they, they liked it, so we'll see. I, mean, I may be doing some more for the Brian Gumbel show. Um, but it ain't for me being on fucking camera. I don't want that. I'm actually hoping they say no. I just wanted to help. I pointed them to some, some, some solid sources in the space. Because guess what, folks? I just believe in people being unfairly targeted as bullshit. And I keep that same fucking energy. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter that it gets me alienated. Which it has, believe me. I kept that same energy. So to see my friends, my colleagues... My fellow people of color, not. That's fucked up. And sad part is most of them ain't going to be listening to this, but 
I hope they know who they are when they look in the mirror. All right, uh, on to that. Let's go 20 minutes in. Let's recap Let's recap the lovely um, controversy-free event, UFC 260. It was such a lovely event, you know. Uh, we went 9-4 and four in picks overall. I don't think I had any official plays because of where my fucking head's been at. Um, I actually, you know, I did okay, though, cause like, and I feel bad because it's like I'm supposed to do plays for the podcast, but then, like, after I record this shit, I still did my thing where I listen to other people. For references, and then I have my play set out, which I'll try to. I do give to you guys as far as like what I'm looking at and what I'm gonna potentially play, even if I haven't played it. I'm, I'm pretty good about sticking to that. Um, but I'll have my system of those things, and then I'll kind of go about it from bottom to top. If the first couple hit, it may incline me to play more. If it lose, it still may incline me to play more. But I ended up actually plus money just by fucking around. But again, it's not about the money. Certain things mean more to me. So either way. Um, although, shit, if I get alienated everything, I may just fucking do this and fucking use that as my motivation to relight the fire. Because at this point, it's like, I get it. We ain't going to get any representation in the space. Nobody gives a fuck. That's why I'm moving on. And I'm going to take my vengeance by reminding y'all how fucking good I am and can be at this shit. Especially seeing all the people move in and take these betting spots now and watching them have to deal with it. And, uh... Yeah, see them balance what they have, which is much more important shit than I got to do. Um, and they're going to try to do this thing? Okay. Either way, uh, we went 9-4. and four. Kamara Usman defeated Jorge Masvidal. Did not see it coming that way. I got to still watch this fight, to be honest, because I, I had my back to it while it was going on. I just... Yeah, I just didn't care. I was, I was, I was just between just watching all the bullshit and kind of come to a, a surplus and fighting off all the people doing, you know, American flag emojis in my thing and then blocking me like motherfucker I'm more American than most of y'all my family sacrificed more to fight communism than any fucks with military even in your bio and I thought we're supposed to be the triggered and hurt ones yet y'all the ones that were mm -hmm. and only if I only blocked people it was because like I knew they followed me and I didn't want to and I wanted them to deny coverage to cheat off my test hence why so many burner counts popping up I see you motherfuckers y'all are sad um, yeah, fucking sad. Um, just know any money I help you make, that's fucking Asian money. That's Asian support in your pockets, you racist motherfuckers. I'm going to keep throwing that in here because I know they like to skip around. Um, but yeah, so uh, Rose Nami Yunus defeated uh, Zhang Wei Li. It was a beautiful kick. Again, not a controversial stoppage at all. Um, the only reason why it's being talked about that way is because, again, they decided to interview concussed fighters, and of course, coincidence, Whaley, of course, has to have the bad concussive reaction, which folks you can't control. Um, she, of course, she is classy and like gives two responses later, but nobody focuses on that. They just focus on what did she really mean? Was she upset? You know, this conjecture, or what did she really mean and say? That gets spread very easily. Hmm, I wonder how. It's okay, it wasn't anything personal. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Rose. Gets, gets her title back. Good on her. She was groomed for this. Yeah, I took that shot. So, um, but hey, you know, hey, it's okay. What shot? We're not acknowledging shit, right? We're selectively sticking to sports. So, yeah. Good on Rose. Um, hopefully, Zhang Weili can, like, she got a fast rise to the title. Which, again, not her fault. They're just trying to, you know, get her in line with that opening for the UFC Shanghai. Again, it wasn't to promote her. 
what am I talking about, folks? Again, I'm only, you know, fucking right about this shit. But, yeah, so whatever. We'll see what they do. But if they put her against Shevchenko, you know they don't give a fuck about her. Um, well, I, we already know that. We already know that. Like, Ari Emanuel can't even get the fucking name right. Uh, the person they're talking about. But, yeah, there's no, there's no, oh, there's no racism. There's no, there's no, no. What are y'all talking about? Uh, anyways, shout out to y'all keeping that same energy. Valentina Shevchenko defeated Jessica Andrade. Um, yeah, I should have given more credit to the wrestling, but it didn't surprise me. I think it surprised people who don't watch Valentina Shevchenko. Um, that, and then you have a lot of the commentary team who, like Joe, doesn't do the best on the video research. Um, which which sucks. I wish they were more like the Brian Stan model, um, but. Um, I don't know. Someone had a theory. It's just because, you know, Joe's a strong personality. You don't want to say anything dissenting. So he kind of takes over the broadcast a lot of times. And uh, his memory, you know, his memory is actually one of his sharper things. But when you rely on that, as you get older, and you don't do the, the legwork, it, it's going to show. So he, needless to say, was very surprised Valentino could hit takedowns. Uriah Hall defeated Chris Weidman. Cash this one, did not feel good about it. I mean, talk about worst bet to feel good about. Um, didn't say or tweet the obvious like every fucking person did. Um, but that's why, you know, another reason why I'm going to keep doing this podcast is because like, I listen to other podcasts and this coverage is so fucking vanilla. Um, it d- didn't even matter for half the time from the people of positions. It, it, everyone's talking about the same shit. You know, you can get mad at me for all my anti-Asian... You can add up all the anti-Asian stuff, and it still doesn't add as much to any of your podcasts and how much they talked about Triller within the same time span. Yeah, that's right. I said it. That's the one and only time I fucking said that piece of shit. You know why? Because I don't give that shit... We talk about high-level MMA on this podcast. And God forbid I make time about caring about human beings. So if you got a problem with either of those, you can get the fuck out of here. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm not going to do what every other podcast does about every other fucking topic and give the fucking ho-hum, well, I don't know, let's see what he does, well, let's see what he comes back. Like, you can listen to every other fucking podcast for it. And it made me really proud of my podcast. Shout out to Raph from uh, Verbal Tap, by the way. Um, I always give that podcast a shout, and I don't want to out the dude as being a good human being uh, as, a, as he already uh, hopefully outs himself as being but that's a good fucking human being there and I had a lot of good conversations with a lot of y'all that reached out by the way and it made me realize that even if um, you know <laughs> my colleagues start to hate me after this and cut ties with me and, and whatever like I, I still need to keep this going as much as I can um, and you know I still want to keep this for free uh but if I, you know, God forbid, I, I lost my jobs or something and needed to, um, I would have more of a right to charge for this podcast than most of the podcasts do charging for their fucking bullshit vanilla takes and lack of research or prep for any of their shows. But, you know, as I do the real life Kermit sipping on my coffee, let's move on. Hopefully your eye hall, uh, Chris Wyman heals up. Anthony Smith defeated Jimmy Groot. Um, yeah, it sucked. It looked like it was a syndrome. It just, it's just weird. Like, you know, it can heal fast uh, or it can't. And this one looked like more of a Michael Chandler-esque where it didn't heal in time and the commission called it. Um, which sucks because Kroot was able to launch off one leg and get a takedown off of one leg still and, like, finish the round. Strong. Yeah, but that's the way it goes. Um, that one hurt a parlay that I did. Uh, Randy Brown catched for me, though, because I played Randy Brown and by sub. And, of course... 
um, he gets it. I think I might even have sprinkled on the under, so it was just a nice cash. That was really nice. Good job, Randy Brown. Dwight Grant defeated Stefan Sekulich. I didn't watch this too carefully. Uh, people I respect scored it the other way. Um, but Dwight Grant takes it by split. I, I didn't have a dog in that race, so it didn't affect me. The next one I did, though, as I told you guys, I'd be looking at this one. Brandon Allen defeated Carl Roberson. Cast the submission prop, and I may have cashed Allen straight up because the line went low enough. So um, submission props were really nice. Um, been doing well with those. I think I went two for two with those on the night. So that was that was cool. Um, Pat Sabatini defeated Tristan Connolly. I, I played Pat Sabatini straight up. I uh, told you uh, that even though the night line inflated, was looking for him, looking at him, or parlay, I should say. Um, and he uh, closed the parlay, which was nice. I think it was Camaro, Shevchenko, and Sabatini was the was the play there. Um, and then uh, Dana Badrell defeated uh, Kevin Not Be Done. Only Asian that won, which was nice. Although, uh, you know, uh, what was his name? The Mongolian. He has a really cool name, but uh, obviously a Mongolian cat, not Chinese cat. China sadly went 0-4 as Kazula Vargas helped keep that strong, defeating Zhu Rong. Of course, the guy who can't contain himself and fight smart uh, contains himself for three rounds. Go figure. Uh, but Zhu Rong looked like he was not ready and did not have his coaches. So what are you going to do? Jeff Molina defeated... Adi Chilong. Um, good on Molina. Doc Ock's son. Uh, Ariani Carlosi defeated Na Liang, who apparently was, I think, you know, even though the Ari Emanuel said a retired uh, tennis pro's name, he meant to say her, who he meant to say the champion. Boy, is that a long lane in the telephone. But, you know, people, you know, what am I talking about? People don't care about Asian fighters, Dan. What are you talking about? Craziness. Okay, let's timestamp that. 29.55, about 30 minutes, and we will get to UFC on ESPN 23, um, despite my attitude, clearly. Uh, I actually, believe it or not, once I started, like, having my one window this week to actually, like, break things down uninterrupted before the craziness took over the house, uh, I was like, wow. I, I still love martial arts and breaking the stuff down. This is fun. This is motivating. But, yeah. Didn't have time to get through all I wanted with uh, the aforementioned craziness. So, let's get to it here. Starting from the top, we got Yuri Prohachka, minus 130. Dominic Reyes, come back on him, plus 110. Um, breakdown I submitted should have already been out. But, in defense of my crew... We are a bit shorthanded, and um, these guys do work their ass off behind the scenes. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, so um, much respect to them, but I don't know when my work is coming out. Not that it'll get much clicks anyways, because, you know, that's how it is. But, hey, someone's got to break down the martial arts, right? And after all, this is kind of technically what we cover. Not the Jake Paul League. Ugh, did I just say that fucking name? Yuri Prokhachka, minus 130. Dominic Reyes, plus 110. I actually took Reyes here. Um, as That's the thing about the gifts, like I was saying, and it proved again this week, is I, I try to get these out now. But since I don't have like a long supplementation, like the uh, the Lord Honky Humongouses of the world, shout out to that guy. Um, you know, uh, support these... Uh, I don't want to say smaller platform people or whatever as an insult, but like support these people, good people, by the way. Shout out to Mr. Honky. Um, 
but yeah, like uh, I don't have a surplus of those gifts, so I post them apropos to the fight week, so you can kind of tell where I'm at. Um, and then people, you know, of course, I got like a bunch of interruptions, and like my shot kicked in, and then like, I was about to write after I right after I post my gifts, so I could try to beat them to the chase. But then, of course, my second shot kicked in this week. That was another thing that derailed me for two nights. Um, and yeah, and then so I was just forced to watch everybody say all the takes that I was gonna write down as they quote tweeted my stuff. So that's always fun. But as many of you guessed, I'm gonna take Dominic Reyes. Crouching Yuri Hidden Reyes, essentially um, Yuri Prokochka, even though he does shift his stance and lists himself as an orthodox fighter who comes from a Muay Thai background, he does a lot of uh, crouching uh, from the orthodox stance uh, as a launching pad um, for counters off the back step or launching forward, slips, defense, offense, all of the above. Uh, the problem is because of that, uh, whether you're a wrestle boxer, a more traditional stylings, or a wild man like Yuri Prokochka, when you dip from an orthodox stance in general, those left kicks, those left-sided attacks in general, you're more prone to. And as I posted in a granted a limited sample size clip of exchanges with him and Uzdemir, this is something that I saw throughout his career. Even going back is that he, even though like the right hand from Mo is the one that stops him. And keep in mind, like a couple, a couple people... Um, I studied in this card, uh, have some tournament sample sizes where their lone stoppage loss came in like their second fight of a tournament, in other words, right? So you also have to weigh that in. And though that was by a right hand by King Mo, uh, Prakachka tends to get hit with lefts more often than not. And he hasn't faced a lot of southpaws. Um, he's one and one. Uh, he beat Satoshi Ishii on the feet, but Satoshi Ishii was an outaged judo guy grappler who is undersized who was just brought in as he is for those shows right to lose to be the side b side uh, and the one that he lost to was granted it was early in his career and it was on the ground to boyan Velichkovich, who now fights at welterweight so um yeah that must have been at 185 when yuri was like killing himself to make that maybe one of his brief 185 appearances and boyan looked all all but jacked and just kind of took him down and ground and pounded him um, but that's been the, the 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 key to Yuri and victory and defeat is he's been contained on the ground. So that'll be something to look for from Reyes. Although I think this fight essentially is just the second coming of Jimmy Manoa, Tiago Santos. Um, and I'm not sure it get, gets past the second round in which I see Reyes. Um, whether it's his left cross or uh, left high kick, that southpaw double attack, um, wreaking havoc on Prochacka. Uh, but if Prochacka can survive or, you know, get Reyes' back to the fence, um, he, he, he can't overwhelm him as well, especially if he clips the nose. Uh, Reyes has a problem with that nose before. Granted, he went in with a broken nose for the Blakovich fight. So it's hard to know how much to make of that. But if Yuri starts swarming him and Reyes can't get off his wrestling and uh, can't get off clean counters, he could be in big trouble, which is probably why Yuri is favored amongst the momentum and and new hot chick popularity at 205, which Yuri definitely is. Uh, and I'm a fan of Yuri, but I'm going to pick Reyes. Next fight, Giga Chikadze, minus 170, Cub Swanson, plus 150. Uh, I just watched two of Swanson's fights, the Burgos, and I skipped the Kron Gracie fight, and then I watched his uh, Daniel Pineda fight, and then I literally went back to watch all of Giga Chikadze's fights uh, in the UFC and Contender Series. And I know there's a lot of talk that this is his first full camp, but with the way he throws and the way he's hardwired, 
Um, I think that's only going to make a difference for prep because even though he didn't slow down as much in camps where he had the full camp but didn't have the full opponent prep, um, those fights were very controllable. He's facing dudes out of the weight class on short notice. Uh, and I hate to do the thing as who is he's fought because that alone could justify playing Cub or picking him as a dog, right? And that's definitely true. But part of me is the output. Um, I think, you know, Zane Simon on Twitter was correct that it's going to be Jakatsi doesn't get Cub out there. It's going to be hell of him surviving around three, and then we're going to have another controversial Jakatsi decision where it's a split, and either he should have won or he shouldn't have won, and it's a split, right? Um, but I'm still going to pick Cub in that. Uh, even though he's older, I don't see a big decline in the speed. This could be the fight where he finally comes out and looks old. Also, he's only been stopped once, and that was a Jose Aldo flying knee that cut open his eyelid like over a decade ago. Like Cub's a good recoverability. Um, I don't think it's his chin's gone because it's only like it's sporadic in fights where he gets hit. It's like is it is training? Is it just the right shot? I know it was a jab here or there, but even throwing that potential shade on his chin. The reason why he's only been stopped once is because you got to be able to jump on him and go to the ground. And that's not Chikadze's style. And if Chikadze does do that, he's only going to get himself into trouble with Cub Swanson, who can grapple, transition, control, and do damage. He just has to, like a lot of things with Cub Swanson, even in the striking department, Cub Swanson has to get into a flow. And that's the thing. You know, so you've got the flow state fighter versus the dangerous, early, young, more athletic fighter with the edge early. Um, but a lot of those kill shots, aside from his counter right hand, which Chikadze has gotten better, he's made um, some improvements on his boxing, it looks like. But he still loves that left side from his karate side, that southpaw uh, sharpshooting. And it's not often that Cub's been sharp shot. You know, he's had to been caught by jabs and sharp shot on the way in with build. You know, you really got to be in there exchanging with him. And that's also, as what Duho Choi, who had the youth and speed advantage as well on Cub, found out that it's not necessarily easy once you get the fight you want because it can also be the fight that Cub wants. So I feel like Chikaze has to sharpshoot him early. Otherwise, it's going to be greasy. But I think Swanson can do it. I think he can take him down. Swanson, I think part of the reason why his speed is maintained, um, and your speed is not always going to maintain, obviously. I'm not trying to speak on fallacy, but the reason why maybe it hasn't bit him in the ass so much is because he trains with lower weight class, younger, faster guys. Um, I know TJ Dillashaw is roughly maybe around the same age, but, you know, fast guy, lower weight class, Juan Archuleta, um, so on and so forth. And the key thing with a lot of these guys, even with the guys that don't fit that bill, that are up a weight class, like, um, what's his name? God damn it, I like the guy, Bellator. Sadawad of the world. A lot of these guys are, what do they have in common? They're wrestlers, right? They got wrestling background, takedown styles. So I got to imagine that's Cub keeps his wrestling sharp through that way. And Cub, in a lot of these gritty fights, he's done well in the wrestling, you know, from the Kawajiris and Hakran Diaz's and whatnot. Like, he really made efforts to shore that up after his Jackson Wink stint slash, you know, getting held down by Chad Mendez, you know, in the rare, one of the rare decisions that Cub loses. That's another thing. Cub only been knocked out once. I think he's only lost, like, three career decisions which is pretty ridiculous, right? Um, and Chikadze's got a low-output style. And not only that, I think part of it is the weight cut because some of the times he's admitted he was tired was because of it was a bad weight cut when he did have the full camp. 
So whether it's Chikadze or his supporters talk going, oh, full camp Chikadze, full camp Chikadze. I'm like, yo, full camp Chikadze is still tired by his own admission due to something scarier uh, because the fact that you could put on a full camp and still have a bad weight cut. That's very possible for all fighters, especially dudes with six foot that are six foot tall uh, with a 74 inch reach, you know, not many guys with 74 inch reach uh, can make featherweight for long. Uh, and they grow out of it, hence McGregor, right? And he was 5'9", not 6 foot. And Chikadze's only getting older. I believe he's about 32. So he's not like he's a young chicken, you know? 32 is the end of your, when you start ending your, you're out of your athletic prime, right? So he's more toward the end of his prime than the beginning, folks. He's into his 30s when the weight cuts really catch up to you. Now, he weighed in before Cub. You know, he, he looked, you know, as lean and mean as he always does, but I don't know if he should be emaciating his frame that much. And Chikadze is also kind of open to the body. Even though he attacks the body, I don't think he's used to people attacking him to the body. And he's open there. And when Cup gets flowing body to head, I think he can hit those. Um, I don't blame anybody for picking Chikadze. I'm not necessarily surprised to see him as chalk. But now to see him as inflated chalk, I, I don't know how. I, I don't know if I could defend a play on him over minus 150. Um, I, I don't mind you guys picking Chikadze here. I'm not super confident in my Cub pick, but I am picking Cub for those reasons, and I will be lightly sprinkling on him. I'm not super confident in, like, Reyes or Swanson to tell you to go to the window, but for delineation here, uh, I do am a little bit more confident in Reyes sprinkling than I am Cub, but you're getting a better number on Cub. That said, I will be sprinkling on both accordingly to what I just said. If that makes sense. Um, another underdog I'm pretty confident on, and I'll, maybe I'll be sprinkling as much, if not more, than Dominic Reyes. Maybe a third trio of confidence, if you will, is Dustin Jacoby plus 120 versus Ion Laba 140. Didn't go back to rewatch any of their fights, but um, <clears throat> even though uh, Maxim Grishin is not as aggressive as Cute Laba, um, Cute Laba will be dangerous if he can get Jacoby to the ground in that first round. However, um, Jacoby wasn't a fish out of water, and Cute Laba isn't as technical with his controls, nor does he have the long levers and size of Grishin. So I don't think that same scenario is going to come to play. And Jacoby mentally strong. Uh, Jacoby fought on short notice before. He likes fighting on short notice. Was already in shape. Looks to have been in shape. Um, fought and won kickboxing tournaments on 24-hour notice. So... He's got about a week notice for this one. I like it. Small cage uh, where I believe he's undefeated inside of. Give me Dustin Jacoby here, folks, plus money. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> didn't do any research on this one, but I took Sean Strickland in my picks, minus 270. Christoph Yatko, uh, plus 230. I feel pretty confident in that one. Uh, I may parlay up Strickland with uh, some people uh, later on in this card. This one, I was watching footage of this morning, and I wanted to change my pick, but that's the thing is I hate doing stuff on Thursday night because Uncle Matt already has his picks locked in, and, you know, Dan Tom making the great mistake. Very few others do in this space, and I actually think about others. Don't want to overload that guy and our editors with all the work that they already do, which is more than enough. Um, but that being said, I also do picks, and people like gamblers follow my work, so that's why I hate this fucking pick thing and getting him in early and... All this shit, because it actually affects me and others more than most. Uh, anyways, 
I was looking at Stammen here. I think this is Dogger Pass. I ended up picking Morab. Uh, and I'm actually still going to stick with him here, even though I still wanted to change my pick up until today. This is what's tough. Um, and I, I cheated to it, too, as well. I alluded you guys when I um, shot at the MMA Junkies YouTube channel for the second time this week with the media day. Because um, Stammen had some interesting tidbits where he had extra time to... Prepare for this, and he has such tough weight cuts that his cardio decides on the fight style he has. And I think that he's been cutting so much, it's not a coincidence that he's dabbled at 45 and by his own admission has kind of vocally complained about the weight cuts and the amount of weight that he cuts to 135. And part of me wonders if that affects his style, that as he's gotten older, not just so much that he's better competition is why he's getting more decisions, which does happen a lot of people once they get to the UFC, but I, I, perhaps it's compounded with Stammen by the amount of weight that he's cutting because he talked about the Jimmy Rivera fights and even the Brian Kelleher fight, which he won. Um, obviously, pandemic era, short notice, a lot of family dramas. So you're not... I didn't go back to watch those fights because they weren't the cleanest sample size even by Stamen's own admission, win or lose, right? Hard to take a lot out of that. But when you look at that, he talks about those fights saying he couldn't fight a certain style so he really had to lean into his slimy... Uh, his stymieing slow the, slow the fight down style of fight, which to outsiders seems like just his style of fight if you've only seen him in the UFC, right? So I do wonder that. But then he also released some tidbits because, you know, Aljo came down to Extreme Couture, so is Marab. And Stamen has already dabbled in Extreme Couture training down here. Um, although I don't think he's working with Eric Nixick uh, in his corner in this one, but he's worked with Eric and, and trained with all those guys, has relationships. Uh, before Marab did, so those guys may be a little more loyal to Stammen than Marab and told him that, hey, man, your wrestling's better. You should take this fight. Um, so Stammen has that confidence. He has that reconnaissance of things that, you know, I would have suspected too. Again, I told you guys when I've broken down Stammen before, like the one time he there was a finish in his fight, sure, he was finished, and granted, it was by the now champion Aljamain Sterling, but if you look at that fight, Stammen was doing really good in the wrestling. Like You see how good Stammen's wrestling is in that fight. Um, it's just if he's going to use it, right? Uh, so you have those things going into it. He has a full camp, which you're going to need that against Marab. However, so the one fight I did go back to watch of... I went back to watch Marab's more controlled fight, right? His most recent fight where he's not so much of a wild man against John Dotson. And then I watched, according to Cody Stamen, which would have been his last fight with a normal camp, which you got to go back to his draw against Song Yadong. Um... And in that fight, you definitely see, you know, Song a different stylist, but aggressive. So he brings it out of Cody, he brings the fight out of Cody, right? To the point where even Cody, he's still kind of taking deep breaths. And he still finds his spaces to rest, even when he wins out positions, right? But because of that, he gets sweeped or his back taken by Song. And they weren't the most creative moves. They were kind of more muscly athletic stuff that Cody probably should have stopped, you know? Um it was the ugly leg reap that he turned into a back take kind of twice technically, which was weird. And then the second exchange where Cody's doing, I get hit with this all the time too. And obviously I'm not a UFC fighter, but it's, uh, you know, shout out to Rich Castro. Uh, you know, you got to protect the knee to elbow, uh, protect the tilt. Um, and uh, underhook, right? That's the three kind of basic checkpoints from a half guard to not get swept. And it was a mix of knee to elbow that allowed him to get tilt because you just let off that shoulder pressure for a second and someone frames off that elbow and they just need a weak butterfly to assist and they tip you. And and Song tipped him right over, right? Made it look real easy. Um, And so that would kind of worried me. I'm like, wait a minute. 
Cody in shape can get to these positions and these guys can bring the best out of him. That is true. But is he still going to be taking these rest periods against an even more athletic scrambler that doesn't get tired and probably has more tricks in his bag like a Devalishvili, right? Um, and I know Devalishvili, you can credit the same to where he doesn't get these holding takedown positions, right? It's weird. It's like his stats got worse. He went from defending a lot of takedowns and making hay with takedowns to like breaking takedown records and just spamming takedowns. And then in the recent trend, now we're seeing him kind of tighten up with the takedowns, refine his striking and pressure. The one thing that though, what I do like about Marab and all the iterations of him and all the criticisms that you can find of him is the one thing is he is doing is he's throwing offense out there. Now, we can judge if it's meaningful, and we can throw the bullshit overcorrection that judges are doing to wrestling and grappling and overcorrecting the steering wheel and going, well, technically, it's just a positional change. No damage was done. And we can really lean on that as our argument shield, right, and run through the battlefield. But even if we wanted to put those colored glasses on, the point is what Marab does, all iterations, whether it's the grappling that we criticize when it doesn't do the control, or the grappling with the damage, which he's always trying to do, or the damage that he's always trying to do on the feet that he's actually gotten better at doing, striking is making improvements. The point is, Marav is putting out, always putting out favorable in the judge's eyes. We might not agree with the judges, but unfortunately, their opinion matters more than mine, yours, all of ours collectively, right? What Marav does, all iterations of him, is very pleasing to the judges. And Cody Stammen at his best or at his worst, at his most repaired or at his not, always fights close. And that ultimately is very tough. Rob, very tough to hurt. Submit, control. And I feel like Stamen is definitely good enough to win this. I feel like not only is he definitely good enough to win, that it's more than realistic, uh, more than realistically enough for him to show that he is the better, more technical fighter um, and to have done enough to have won. But I still don't think that even in that scenario, being the better fighter and showing that he's the better fighter, even if those things are all in play, folks, and I'm right about all those things, I still believe it's an uphill battle to get these judges to, to score a fight for someone like Cody Stammen, who counter punches and counter wrestles for the most part. And he's got a really good turn corner turn on his shot so if he wants to get all offensive with it i hope he does but finishing up just that fight and even though i admittedly didn't do the full research that i normally like to do i'm not sure if i would have even if i had a whole other day to research folks i'm not sure if i still would have chosen my pick here uh that being said do i think you should be laying chalk on devolish really no he opened at minus 140 at a principle you shouldn't you sure as shit shouldn't be laying chalk on him now um, I may still actually sprinkle a small amount on Stamen, but he is like confidence level of Cuff Swanson level. Not even, right? Because I didn't even pick Stamen, right? So even lower. That being said, I'm not hating on a Stamen play because this is a dogger pass. So I was very conflicted with this one. I still am. Um, but uh, officially, non-officially here on this podcast, however you want to delineate it, yeah, I'm, I'm still technically going to be sticking to my Devalashvili pick um, for a greasy decision. This fight's going to play out way closer. Good luck on your stamina plays. Pollyanna Botelio, minus 260. Uh, Luana Carolina, plus 220. Taking Botelio here. Um, she looked good on the scales. I think athleticism is going to be the difference here. And, um, yeah, 
that getting leg locked at Luana Carolina. Really bad luck. I'll take the Nova Yanyao fighter who comes from a better camp. Not sure if I play that chalk though, especially because I clearly researched it heavily, right? As you can tell. Hint, hint, sarcasm, sarcasm. Next fight, uh, Random Marcos plus 140. Uh, Luana Pinero minus 160. Um, yeah, I think Miranda Marcos on her way, on her way out now, finally. Uh, not that I wish that against her. Seems like a nice enough girl, but I'm going to take Pinero. Um, didn't do much research on this one, obviously. Gabriel Benitez minus 190. Jonathan Pierce plus 165. Curious if the Benitez line will go down because he missed weight. Uh, I was going to play Benitez for that, but now the line is still minus 190 and he missed weight. Uh, I'm going to hold off. I, I'm i going to go look back and look at how exactly he looked at the weigh-ins and decide what I want to, if I still want to take a flyer on Benitez. You guys know I'm a big Benitez fan, so I'm going to pick him, but um, I wouldn't follow me off any cliffs there. Uh, I probably will stay away, which is the smart thing to do. Kai Kamaka minus 145. TJ Brown plus 125. Kai Kamaka, I think he opened at minus like 225. Yep. Um, I don't think he should have been that much for the gas tank that uh, his gas tank dropped off on him. Hopefully he worked on that. looks like he's been staying in Las Vegas. Um, if his gas tank holds up, he should beat TJ Brown. Um, but you know, I could understand not one. I could understand people fading him. However, if Kai Kamaka goes below minus 145, much less minus 140 folks, um, I'm going to play him straight. Uh, you don't have to follow me off that cliff, but that's just me. For what I like. Uh, next fight, Loma Lukbumi, minus 390. Sam Hughes, plus 320. Uh, Loma should roll here. She's definitely going to be a parlay piece. Um, I just don't think I'll get enough for her putting her with, like, a, uh, you know, Strickland or Botelio, for example. So I don't know what I'm going to do there. But Loma should roll here. Um, if Sam tries to get to the clinch and takedowns, not sure she'll get him against the tie fighter. And then, of course, Loma will roll from striking off the break to out in the open. Um, didn't research this fight. I wanted to. Andreas Mikolaitis, minus 230. KB Bular, who gives a great interview, plus 190. Uh, but I'm going to go with Mikolaitis here. Uh, next fight, Luke Coolhand, Luke Sanders, minus 140. Felipe Corrales, plus 120. Uh, Corrales survived with Montel Jackson, and Luke Sanders is undersized and throws away fights and is super inconsistent. So that alone should make you pick, if not sprinkle on Corrales. That's what I will be doing. You don't have to follow me off that cliff, but that's what I'm going to do. All right, how did we do on time? 54.25, not bad. All right, recapping. Um, by the way, stop Asian hate in case any of y'all wanted to skip that and are on your burner accounts and just coming here to cheat off the Asians' tests. Uh, stop Asian hate. So just wanted to mess y'all up there. Uh, recapping. Uh, taking Reyes over Prochka, going to sprinkle small, stop Asian hate. Taking Swanson over Chikadze, probably will sprinkle small, but not super confident, stop Asian hate. Uh, just pissing off the racist folk, folk, don't mind me. Uh, taking Jacoby over Cute Laba, definitely going to be sprinkling on that. Um, taking Strickland over Yotko, may put him in a pile A piece. Taking uh, Davalashvili reluctantly, stop Asian hate over Cody Stamen. Plus 215, uh, though I may sprinkle on Cody. Definitely not taking Devalish Philly, but officially picking Devalish Philly. Taking Botelio over Carolina. Uh, not sure what I'm going to do there. That's parlay piece. That loss could be a trap. We'll see. She'll probably roll, though. Taking Pinheiro over Marcos. Uh, no play there. Taking Benitez over Pierce. That probably should be an avoid as well. Uh, Kamaka over Brown, I'll take. I'll take Kamaka. 
May play him if he goes under minus 140. Taking Loma Lokbongmi over Sam Hughes. Uh, taking Andreas Michalaitis over KB Bueller. 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 Taking Philippe Corrales over Cool Hand Luke Sanders. Probably be sprinkling on Corrales, sprinkling on Swepson. Playing Jacoby, sprinkling a bit on Reyes. Maybe sprinkle small on Stamen. Maybe I'll play Kamaka. And I already told you guys the parlay pieces. Thank you for listening. Not going to do the Amazon read-throughs or shout out any of my links because I don't deserve it for the shit shows that I put on. I apologize. As, as per usual, guys, all supporters, welcome to jump in the DMs and ask ahead of time for the shit show, especially if you've like donated to the PayPal links and stuff like that, uh, supporting and shared longtime listeners. You guys know who you are. Please, even though, uh, especially like for next week where I'm not going to do an in-depth breakdown and you know that, please, please, please feel free to go into my DMs. What's mine is yours. You guys are the fucking real ones. I love you guys. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for the real ones. Uh, stop Asian hate. Good luck on your picks and plays. And always protect your next.